What's your story? Whether you're a client or an independent financial advisor, we know you face many important decisions that can affect your and your clients' long-term financial success. Welcome to the WIN Podcast. What's important now with Corey Hymanson, accredited investment fiduciary and president of Hymanson Wealth Advisors. In this podcast, Corey helps you identify your goals and objectives through financial education and comprehensive planning while inspiring you to make better behavioral decisions in your personal finance. With a twist on pop culture and current events, join us as we explore growth and protection strategies for individuals, advisors, and their businesses. Come and discover what's important to you now. Hello and welcome to the Win Podcast with Corey Hymanson. Corey, it is so good to be back with you. How are you? Wow, time goes fast, Eric. We're back at this, huh? Uh, yes, we are. We are hitting this quickly. Here's the thing: is that you are you're get you're lining up guests, man. You've got folks that you want to talk to. You're bringing them in studio. You have another guest in studio, Jason Engelman. I'm very excited. We got to chat a little bit before the podcast started, but I want to know why did you bring Jason on the show today? Well, he's he's kind of a minor YouTube celebrity. Some of nice. them, some some broadcasting, but uh, we'll get into that later. But uh, let's go to the title of this. I, I titled this podcast "The Bridge," and we got to tie into what that means. And then we'll we'll certainly start listening to what Jason has to say. But I, I ran across ran across a quote from a, a gentleman named Jim Rohn, and and he was a businessman uh, who basically came from nothing, became financially successful, was broke again, and then successful again. Just you know, kind of a roller coaster of of, of finance, but. Ultimately, he became a public speaker and really vo- motivated people. And, and his quote that I found was, discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishments. Hmm. And I just think that's so cool. And, and a lot of what we do at our office from a, uh, an image perspective has bridges and things like that. But we'll get into that too. But I instantly thought of my guest, Jason. He, he wears a lot of hats, but uh, I think discipline falls into his, into his camp. So We'll turn it over to him and find out who he is or why that would even be the case. Awesome. Well, thanks for that introduction, Corey. Um, appreciate being here. Appreciate you thinking of me as you as you're talking about the bridge and some some quotes that you're reading and uh, kind of your professional life here and working through discipline. Uh, as as you mentioned, um, you, you know I kind of wear many hats. Kind of gives a little information about myself. Um, high school principal here at Central Line. I grew up in Northwest Iowa here in. Uh, you know, graduated just down the road at West Sioux and went to Morningside College, played some baseball there with, uh, went to college with my high school sweetheart, uh, Kayla, who played some basketball there. And we set up shop here in Rock Rapids, got my first teaching job at Central Lion, became a coach, teacher, uh, went on, did some more schooling, got into some administrative work, got some, got middle school principalship, did some activities directing, uh, and now currently 712 principal. And I've done on and off coaching, most, most in baseball That's kind of where we're most familiar with each other. Um, doing some baseball. Like I said, I'm a parent, parent of six kids, uh, three girls, three boys. Um, so that keeps me pretty busy and yeah, just doing all the different things that a, that a dad and a coach and a parent and a, a teacher administrator do. So staying busy, but staying disciplined. Yeah, there you, you go. Say. Well, in those kids, you have six kids, they're under the age of seven, right? <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> they've grown up a little bit. They've grown, <laughs> no. they've grown up some. My oldest is 11, if that gives you any perspective, <laughs> but they're very close in age. It's a tight knit family of six oh, or eight total, actually, yeah. with my wife and I. Oh, no, I like giving you a hard time. <laughs> but, and, and I think you hit it on the head there, you know, discipline instantly people think back to maybe like the blues brothers movie and there's like uh, 
I think that was a nun. I don't know if I can say that on the show, but you know, <laughs> slapping somebody on the wrist with a ruler and, and discipline in my mind, I don't go there first. I, I think a discipline is, you know, being focused, driven towards something and not just relating or tying it to, to being in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a fair, fair assessment. That's, you know, when you think of a principal, what my role is as a principal or formerly as a teacher and at having a large group of kiddos under my roof, you know, discipline to most people thinks keeping order, you know, punishing them when they step out of line, uh, being the bad guy. Right. And that's not a role that I really relish. Um, but I, I like to think, and I wish more people did thought discipline was what you're, what you're promoting here. It's about staying the course, staying focused and kind of staying driven um, to be able to accomplish those things. It's not easy having six kids. It's not easy doing right. all the different, wearing the different hats that I wear and the hats that you wear. And, um, but it takes discipline. It takes just a, an appreciation for the small things and doing things the right way. And, uh, you know, setting up, setting yourself up for success. Um, and I think I've done a pretty good job of that. At least I'm sitting here in this chair trying to explain that. Yeah. You um, made that cut. So <laughs> I made it through the front door. Let's see how this goes. So, yeah. No, I, I think you're spot on and success in life. You know, we talk about this sometimes, but success in life is not money or how big my pile is. It it's, being laser focused. It's, it's being, it's showing up, putting in the work, doing the right thing and, and being optimistic and appreciating the, like the, like you say, the little things, you know, here's even an example, just the last couple of days in our, in our community here, we had kind of a thunderstorm and you suddenly learn how much work it is to pick up trees and sticks and things. But then you suddenly realize, well, I'm glad a, a tree didn't fall through my roof. Yeah. You know, so, absolutely. You, so you appreciate what you have and, and, and not just focus on what you don't have. Exactly. I think that's, yeah, being able to put forth a little bit more effort um, is all about discipline, being able to appreciate the small things. Like you said, you know, that storm came through and I went through town and noticed a lot of branches down, helped pick up a few. Even notice, you know, it's, it's a lesson learned. I got a kind of funny story. A couple, we live out on an acre south of town, no trees. So I've grown to appreciate trees. I used to think I don't have to pick up those limbs at my place. <laughs> right. That was a mistake. There's no shade. There's no, you know, there's no wind blocking. It's just I'm just getting blasted with wind up there, but uh, that windstorm comes through. And, and a year ago, my swing set would have tipped over, rolled down the hill. It did it two or three times. So this summer, my wife and I were disciplined. We set a goal and we said, we're going to get that swing set into the ground. <laughs> we're going to put some, we're going to, you know, put some pavers down. We're going to actually get this thing. Lo and behold, it still stands. There you so go. my kids woke up, ran to the window. The swing set is still up, dad. You did a good job. Pat on the back. And <laughs> That's a, the small victories. Yeah, because probably whatever else went down that day or the following day or the day before, that's what you remember is just that little pat in the back yeah. from the kids that are thinking, dad's a brilliant architect, engineer, <laughs> landscaping <laughs> genius. Dad, all that sweat, all that sweat and time out in the heat really paid off on a day like today. Yeah, exactly. There you go. You hit the coaching thing. And I think that's really, boy, you know, I'm driven, I'm competitive, but it comes back to my my ball playing days. Yep. What would you say about discipline and in, in let's go baseball? I mean, how important is that? Oh, baseball. Um, you and I are big baseball guys and I've coached. That's what I've coached the most is baseball. And I just got out of it this year and, and doing some, some rec league stuff, but boy, discipline in baseball is huge because it's a game that is just, you're so unsuccessful. You know, the best players in the world go three for 10, two for 10, most of the time at the plate. Well, that, can create a lot of frustration. It can create a lot of, well, whatever I'm doing isn't working or whatever this is. It's like, you got to stay the course. You got to stick right. to what, 
to what you've been trained on, stick to what the coaches are telling you. So you got to be disciplined. You got to be disciplined at the plate. You know, you got to be knowing what balls and strikes are. You got to be laser focused, even in the outfield when you get one ball a game, you still got to be disciplined to stay in the game and know what you got to do to back up bases. So baseball, and I'm just biased, kind of like I'm sure you are baseball. You just discipline and focus and just being able to go through the ups and downs. Like you said, the roller coaster ride. It doesn't happen any more so than in baseball than in any other game that I've ever played. Right. I mean, it's just, it's a different game. It's, it's a challenge, which I appreciate. You know, it doesn't come easy. You can be any size, any speed, and be successful. Where other sports, maybe that gives you an upper hand depending yep. on your structure yep. um, and how quick or powerful you are. Sure. I've got a super random question for you related to baseball. And I, have not, I have not thrown this at you first. We're going to get your raw, <laughs> raw answer. Does it annoy you when a fielder has their foot on the base, let's say on second base, to catch a throw when it's not a force out? Does it annoy me? You know what I mean? Like, like if there's going to be a play at second, uh, if, if the batter's going for a double and, and the, the second baseman is standing on second with one foot on second base, waiting for the relay throw from the outfield as if it's a force out, but it's not a force out. <laughs> because they have to tag that runner. Does that annoy you? I'd say I don't, it depends on what it looks like, I guess, you know, you're kind of painting a pretty good picture. And I've seen, I saw a lot of that in rec ball this year. And that annoyed me that uh, you didn't know perhaps that it was a tag play. It wasn't a force out that you needed to be in a better fielding position in case the ball went left or right of you um, and be able to make a quick tag. Cause that's what's necessary to get the, the, the runner out. So it does frustrate me because I'm just a thinker of the game and I've played it so much and I've coached it so much. I've watched so much that to me, it should just, that should be natural for other people. And especially at the high school level, that would really frustrate me more at the high school level than what I'm dealing with now with the little, (laughs) little league rec softball girls, but know what's, know what's expected of you before it actually happens. I think preparation, my goodness. I mean, you should be able to know that if the ball's hit here, I got to be lined up in this position, ready to field whatever throw the outfielder gives me to make a quick tag. If the guy were to come, I think yes. standing in that position just kind of makes you look like you had no clue what you were doing. Exactly. That's where I was going. Yeah. Cause my family knows that this annoys the <laughs> heck out of me, whether it's my kids playing or, you know, their teammates, I have hated this for years. So that's why I had to just poke myself essentially to bring this demon to light, to see if you agreed with me. And I think you did. I did. In a roundabout way, I agree with you that it is. <laughs> If, if you played the game enough, those little intricacies of the game will, will just annoy you. They, they, you think, you know better than that, or we've taught you in practice this yeah. or that. Think about it ahead of time. Those things just run through your mind. You're just like, oh. Yeah, and, and maybe I was a planner of sorts in my thinking before I ever knew I'd be a planner because you're right. Playing baseball, you got to be on your toes, ready to move or anticipate. And essentially, it's no darn different in, in, in life at your job or in running your own business or navigating a family, you got to be prepared for what's coming next and correct. be willing to adapt and, and change. I get that too, but I mean, you got to be ready yeah. and expect things if you want to be two steps ahead. Exactly. And I think that's, that's a little bit of my frustration with coaching. I kind of got a little burnt out in that area. And I do a little bit with other things is where do you draw the line to what do you prepare them for and what do they have to prepare themselves? You know, between every play in the dugout this year, and I even know in high school, I would be yelling out, hit to you, touch your base, hit to you, who's got second, you know, <laughs> yeah. ball hitting the gap, you're the cutoff man, you're going to be relaying it here. It's like, how much of that should I be doing? 
you know, maybe the first couple of games. Right. But it got old after the seventh, eighth, you know, into the 12th teens of the season. You're like, I'm still saying this stuff. They should know. Right. But the minute you don't, then you kick yourself because you didn't. Yeah, you let them down. So, I don't know. I went off a little tangent there, but. I like tangents. Eric, you know I like tangents, right? Oh, just a wee bit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, What is your craziest, craziest or best baseball story? Oh, boy. Craziest or best. One of the, the best stories I have about baseball is being able to coach with my dad. You, you know, I played for him in high school. Got to coach with him at that same high school, went to state, um, got to coach with him at that level, and then coached against him as an opponent here at Central Line versus West Sioux, and he's still coaching today. Has a lot of success. I think coaching and playing that kind of all-encompassing, being able to kind of work with your mentor and then kind of go up against your mentor sure, was kind of a fun thing. Um, geez, college, I had so many fun baseball stories that... <laughs> How many could with, go on the air? Any? Yeah, yeah. Uh, most I would like to think could go on the air and be a teachable moment, at least for some. Sure. Um, I don't know. I had a really good, I had a really good time at Morningside and made a lot of friends. Um, at the end of the day, that's, that's what baseball was to me is, was just a, a group setting where a lot of guys liked the same thing and put a lot yeah. of heart and effort into the same thing. And you saw the successes, roller coasters, the stories, the bus trips it wasn't always just between the lines. It yep. was stuff that happened in the dugout, stuff that happened on an overnight stay in Joplin, Missouri. I mean, just those types of things are crazy baseball stories, although they have nothing really to do with a bat and a ball. I can't believe you brought up Joplin, Missouri, because now I've got a story. Oh, go, go for it, because so, we went there quite often in college. So, uh, Yeah, so I, I think it was my sophomore year of college. I went to Buena Vista, uh, home of the Beavers. Back in the day when the college started, I believe they were the BV. E-R-S, B-V-ers, and somehow <laughs> that morphed into beavers. So we, we caught a lot of flack when we went yeah, on the road. I bet. But anyway, we took the spring trip and we went to Joplin, Missouri, and I was a relief pitcher. And, and we were playing, I think it was Missouri Southern, and they were a Division II team that was pretty well ranked at that point. You know, or at least yeah. the coach told us that. I don't know. <laughs> so they bring me out of the bullpen for the sixth inning. Those were seven inning games. And you know, there's people on base and I, I came in, of course, against their best hitter. Right. And I'm a knuckleballer. And so he watches the first one go down the middle and just couldn't believe that I was at the college level, I think. And the second one, he hits about as hard as, as Aaron Judge hits a, hits a baseball for the Yankees. <laughs> and this thing towers, towers. I can visually see it taking off and it goes just foul of the left field foul pole. You know, yep. and their dugouts harassing him and he's smiling at me. And I thought, well, I'm this deep. We're going to bring it right down the middle again. <laughs> and I threw what in history now turns back to be the best knuckleball of my life. And it dropped about a foot and a half and he swung over top of it and about fell down. And I was suddenly the hero of the entire ballpark because their dugout was laughing. The crowd's laughing. Everybody in the place was laughing except that guy. Yeah, I bet. And, and he just stared at me. And I smiled at him and I smiled at his dugout and then they were razzing him and I was off the hook. But anyway, oh, good. I can't remember what happened after that, but that was yeah. like the coolest, I don't know, minute and a half of my life probably. Yeah. Well, I, Joplin, Missouri was, was a fun place to play. However, I can't say that I was overly excited to go there for spring break. You know, I, that's, <laughs> that, that was our spring break trip. You know, other, other teams, you know, I got to watch my wife play basketball and they're going down to San Antonio, Texas to play games and they're yeah. doing all this stuff. And, 
I, t- I say, Hey, yeah, we're going to Joplin for a week. It's like, <laughs> it's not much warmer. It's a little warmer, not much. It's a- yeah. I think the college uh, softball team at our school that year, you know, flew to Florida yep. to Fort Lauderdale to play softball. And we took a couple of vans, rundown vans with guys packed to the hilt, yep. uh, you know, to for the love of the to, game to is Missouri. what, I, well, that's is what right. it was. Yep. For the love of the game. Ugh. But you're right. You know, life it, it's about experiences. Yeah. We talk about that mm-hmm. too. So mm-hmm. very cool. <laughs> oh, I'll throw another random question at you. Who is the most famous person you've ever met or ran across? Yeah. Uh, you did send me this one ahead of time, so it's not too random, but it took me a while to think about this. I've been fortunate. I've got to meet a couple different famous people, um, but I would say the top two, one, I took a, a friend trip with my, my wife and a couple of friends from college. We went, went to Vegas and we're practicing our discipline. Uh, in Vegas. <laughs> I think that's in the logo. Is it? Yeah. Or yeah. slogan. Is it? Okay. Something like that. So we were walking around MGM and we wanted to play some, some craps. I, I enjoy some table games and things and have some fun with my friends. And lo and behold, Roy Williams of, of North Carolina Tar Heels is playing craps. And he's at a table basically by himself. And I remember me and my friends are sitting, you know, in the peripheral, we're sitting back and we kept staring at it. I'm like, that's Roy Williams. I'm pretty sure that's Roy Williams. He's got a bodyguard <laughs> there. He's a little older gentleman, but I could tell I've seen enough games and sure. I look at the pit boss and he connects eyes with me and my friends and he gives us this. Don't even think about it. Guys. Don't come over. Don't here. come over here, which we in turn thought, let's go over there. You know, that's let's go over and meet this guy. We end up rolling craps with him for like a half an hour and he's just a regular guy. And we talked a little basketball, but mostly talked about craps and see if we can get on a roll of some type, which we didn't. So we left very disappointed, but it did was a fun experience with him. Did I don't know if we can dig into somebody's personal gambling habits, but did Roy play the pass line or the don't pass? <laughs> he was playing the pass line. Okay. So, yeah. No, it was fun. It was a fun little time with him. My second one would be Bo Jackson. So, oh, as, sure. as a baseball fan, also a football fan, yeah. I get to meet Bo in Sioux City. Uh, he works a little bit with my brother-in-law there in Sioux City and was there for a golf tournament. And he was, on the, he was in the foursome of best ball tournaments in the foursome just ahead of us. And we caught up to him. I don't know how, but we weren't playing very well. We caught up to him. Must have been a stall in the in the tournament. And I got to watch, talk to him a little bit. We got to watch him drive a hole. My goodness! Could you even see the ball come no, down? No, I mean that, that ball. I felt bad for the ball. He just like <laughs> crushes this thing, and it wasn't a slice. Nothing. I mean, it's just a bomb. And I thought, I just saw Bo Jackson just annihilate a golf ball. <laughs> it's just incredible. I'm, I'm having a flashback because didn't he annihilate? Uh, Brian Bosworth of the Seattle Seahawks and yeah, a football he player did. as well. He did the Boz. He did. Yep. Who was a big dude himself. But. Big dude. But Bo was just an, an incredible athlete. So that's kind of one of those things where, you, you know, as a kid in Northwest Iowa, you play oh, every yeah. sport and you're like, not many, you know, yeah. you're, you're looked at in your community. It's like, wow, he's pretty good at everything. Right. That's kind of cool. But this guy was good at everything on a whole different level. And right. it was incredible to just meet him and shake his hand and see him, like I said, just destroy a golf ball like he destroyed <laughs> 99 mile an hour fastballs yeah. for the Royals and White Sox. Yeah, I mean, it is amazing to think of, of not only just being a professional athlete, but doing it in multiple sports. Yeah. I mean, you're, it's a pretty short list if you're talking Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders. Yeah. I mean, that's about that's, where I stop. You know what I mean? That's about it. Uh, Michael Jordan probably does not qualify. After he tried a little baseball stuff. Yeah, he didn't quite make it in baseball as at Tim that Tebow. Level. Tim Tebow probably scratched that too. Yeah. It's it's Dion and Spo. That's who comes to mind for me. Yeah, that's wild stuff. Yeah. 
I was, uh, my wife and I were in an airport in St. Louis. I think it was on our honeymoon connecting flight. And I walked by ice T the rapper. <laughs> so this is a lot of years ago. So this is like tough guy, yeah. controversial ice yeah. tea, you know, not like ice tea today. That's doing like TV commercials yeah. for yoga. Exactly. So I guess that just shows you how fast life yeah. goes by. Oh, it's, and I was very fortunate as a kid talking about baseball. My, my dad became pretty good friends through another buddy in, in, in the Hayward Ireton area with Terry Steinbeck, who was a catcher for the Oakland A's back oh, sure. in the day. Sure. Back when they were running through the World Series and he had a very good career. He played with the A's and the Twins and we got to go to plenty of his games out in Oakland when he was up here in Minneapolis, went to New York. And, and so as a kid, I was very fortunate. Like we got to stay in the hotel as the Minnesota Twins. Sure. One time I went down into the clubhouse and I was so young, I didn't even know what I was doing. And walked past Don Mattingly of the of the Yankees, you know, McGuire sitting in the dugout over or over in this direction, Canseco sure. over here. And I was just a little kid with a bunch of cards, you know, looking to get them signed, just take pictures who would yeah. take pictures, but you had the old, you know, it's today would be a whole different story. I'd have been more wild than what I was, but that was an incredible experience that not many kids get. And that, that was pretty cool for me. That, that's funny. Cause now you're bringing back maybe back to a finance term of diversification because I, I was a, a baseball card collector growing up. And so when I got into college, it seemed like I ran into people that needed money. So they would, I was always buying baseball cards from, from people on the, <laughs> on the floor of my hall because I had a summer job, saved a bunch of money and, you know, was smart about it. So this one guy sold me his collection and he had, about 60 different cards of Mark McGuire and about 60 of Jose Canseco, yep. you know, so the, the Bash brothers yep. or whatever. So I started hoarding these cards for these two guys. And lo and behold, decade or two goes by, and then we get the whole steroid asterisk record yep. book stuff. Uh, and I think all those cards are about worth 50 cents a piece. You know, yeah, what you hope you didn't pay too much for I'm those. I'm sure I paid more than 50 yeah. cents a piece. You know, it, so the point is, it's it's better off to collect a lot of things, whether it's investment assets or, or baseball cards. You might as well have different looking ones. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of a pile of one that you're banking on. Well, I got plenty of cards. I can tell you that. Plenty. Wow. You're going to be a repeat guest. We might have a, <laughs> another a, segment on, on card collecting. Session. Well, yeah. Yeah, we could do some big trading here on your desk. <laughs> I'm not taking your Maguires or Consecos, but what's the? Do you have one card that's the coolest in your memory bank? This is totally random. Oh, geez, um, no, not necessarily. I was, you know, like most kids when I was growing up, Jordan. I mean, if you had Jordan cards, yeah. you were something. And so, have Jordan. Uh, I didn't learn to appreciate Kobe until late in his career, and kind of almost after his his passing, how good of a player Kobe was. Right. And, I have some Kobe cards that I, you know, baseball cards to me were, there wasn't so many big name players. I mean, there were, but there's so many of them. It's such, such right. a large, you know, area yeah. of, of players that all the ones that I had signed from those twins and A's, I still have in a, in a book somewhere just because those are come sure. with memories. Yep. Um, they mean more than just the card itself, but no, I wouldn't say there's one in particular that just comes to mind. Just I'd say anything Jordan and anything signed that I was able to get yeah. as a kid. That's cool. Huge. I've got, I've got three that stand out in my mind, and, and these are going to be super random. But the player was Billy Ripken, played for Baltimore. Yep. I think he was an infielder. But mm -hmm. the reason the cards are cool is that it's a picture of him holding the bat, and on the end of the bat, his teammates had written a couple of not nice words on it. So I've got one that has the not nice words, 
one that's a white scribble and one that's a black box. So there's three of the exact same card, but the, you know, tops or whoever the manufacturer caught this and then issued a couple other. So honestly, of all this, all the big name player stuff I have, those might be the coolest or most uh, collectible just because they're weird. Really? You know what I mean? That's incredible. They have three different cards, basically the same thing. Yeah. And that's kind of a, a very, you know, we're going way off the script here. That's what we do here. <laughs> one of the, probably the strangest things about me, I have like a photographic memory. So you say Billy Ripken, I can immediately come to about a dozen cards I had of Billy Ripken and what he looked like, what position he played, Texas, you know, Baltimore. And I can just name you, you know, Billy, Cal, you know, and I got all yeah. these other ones and I have a photographic memory, especially when it comes to baseball. And that's what I think made me a pretty good catcher because I could remember what a guy hit against us the first inning two weeks right. ago really you know and, and develop pitch sequences and such um but we've always when i was coaching we always played this game you know coach lutmer myself and guys like carson schubert and some other baseball fanatics would play this baseball game where you'd say the first name last name and then you'd have to work the first name off of that player so billy ripkin then i'd say rafael palmero then i have to go pee and we'd play this game forever and i could play forever I, there's no stop because i had endless cards and i can just picture a player <laughs> With the, and I can tell you what that card looked like and what I did with that card. Cause I used to make, you know, as a kid, you made lineups, you, you looked at yeah. them, you put them in teams and, oh yeah, I could go through and tell you. You have totally blown my mind. It, I it, not- it's a, it's kind of a hidden talent that I yeah. don't share with a lot of people, but I have a, a very good memory. Well, we only have a couple million listeners across the world. So yeah, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm like Moneyball memory <laughs> analytic stuff, but I, I can see things like that back from when I was immersed in it. It's, it's just crazy. You might become a regular on this yeah. show. This is it, my wife always. And I talk about, I should have really went into like something. I wouldn't say more challenging than education, but like my anatomy, I could look at the page and just, I could see the picture of yeah. it and tell you the muscles, the tissue, you know, all that. Not that I learned it. That's not learning by any means. That's just memory. Now my mind thinks that we need to turn this into a business opportunity of some kind. <laughs> what do you think of that, Eric? Should we throw him into the mixer yeah. somehow? <laughs> well, how, how I always use car- more to do. How are you at card counting? That's my question. I mean, just uh, I play a lot. Of, <laughs> I play a lot of cards, and I'm probably the last person you want to play cards against because my, my daughters are finding that quickly. We just taught them, you know, rummy, and and we're teaching pinochle, <laughs> and and we play uh, cribbage, and they're like eleven and ten years. They've played for years, and yeah. But I can tell you, you know, well that that was a bad play because that card was played. Mm-hmm. Half an hour ago, and I, kind yeah. of those things. See, and, and I've talked about this before that you know professional poker players, good ones, understand enhanced value of, of mm-hmm. certain ways to play and decision making. Because just because you get a bad outcome doesn't mean it was a bad decision. Correct. You know what I mean. So I'm curious. Do you do you play poker or do you like poker or no? I used to play a lot of poker. I, I don't anymore. I just don't have time. But I mean, and not just, many people play anymore. Not many people it, play cards. I, I think mean, it has kind of yeah. kind of waved or yep. yeah, peaked up. It, something like that, though. I mean, is does that almost feel like work instead of fun? If that's the way your mind kind of tracks things? No, I still have fun. <laughs> <laughs> I still have fun. I love playing cards. I, it's I'm like the so we'll go on this family vacation going up uh, with my my wife's in laws and things, and there's tons of people. It's, it's not uncommon that most of the people my age and younger, I'd say younger now, are out on the beach. You know, I'd like to find the elderly or the people that are more, they're inside and we're playing cards. I mean, I'm playing Pinochle, we're playing Brit, we're playing whatever, hearts. 
And I just, that's kind of the way my mind operates. I'm not, which is weird because I'm a baseball player. I should yeah. be outdoors, but it's, it's a little bit of both. I'm just getting a fun forward <laughs> visual of like 40 years from now, you being at the senior center and just dominating oh. the, the, the tables and then just like telling them you dominated the tables. You know what I mean? Like oh, absolutely. your competitive side. Absolutely. Like, Take that Ethel. He's, he's totally, exactly. absolutely. He's, he's taking everybody's peanut butter cups and their, you know, their, their pudding cups. <laughs> That's right. Their little mixed fruit bowls. You know, he's got them all on his side of the table. Yeah. yeah you got to play for something. I'm not just yeah. going to play for the fun of it. We're going right. to play for something. <laughs> I mean, that's it's, it's not enough to play for the heartbreak on old people's faces. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, I guess <laughs> oh I guess you could say that. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, this has been a fantastic podcast. There are a couple things that I have to point out. Uh, and number one, uh, Jason, you don't probably know this at this point. Maybe maybe you guys talked about it before we hit the record button. Uh, but he had uh, Corey had a guest last time, David Ackerman. And I think David needs to be invited to the table when you guys are trading cards, because then he can provide that that homemade whiskey that he's got. And that would make for a much more interesting trading session of your baseball cards. It's just my opinion. But, you know, there, you know, that might be an opportunity. And, and for the listeners, if you didn't hear that interview, go back and listen to that interview. It's great. Uh, Jason, well, another thing that you may or may not know is that Corey takes every opportunity to bash my team because he's a Cowboys fan, as is my wife. We've talked about that on the air. I'm a Seahawks fan. So, of course, he had to throw in the boss and, and, you know, Bo Jackson just snuffing him out uh, <laughs> just to just to get me. Uh, I, I don't know if he shared that with you, but he likes to give me a hard time. Uh, and I, I wanted to go back to one other thing that you said at the very beginning of the podcast that just stuck with me. Um, you said that most people, when they think of discipline, they think of, you know, especially because you were a principal, keeping order. But at the same time, I think that that's exactly what discipline is for ourselves. Corey has talked about that on the show uh, before being disciplined. I think it's just keeping order of ourself. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say so. I think it's it's staying within your means and keeping kind of control of yourself. Kind of self-control is yeah. really what discipline is, you know, and talk about order. I think they're very much alike. Yeah. And, and Corey, keeping order, you're helping to teach your your clients this all the time, right? This is something that you focus on helping them just keep order of what they have, because that's what you do. You, you help them to do that and then helping them to understand since they are keeping order by being disciplined, they can enjoy a whole lot more. Yeah, it, that is spot on about daily. I have a, well, probably more than one. I was going to say a, a, a conversation every day, but there's probably a, several conversations every day where people lose track of, of the order of things or the plan at hand or these enhanced value type decision-making things because they get caught up in uh, current headlines, mm -hmm. doomsday media comments of the day. You know, If you make decisions looking backwards, you don't make very good decisions. If you make yeah. decisions from an emotional standpoint, you don't make very good decisions. You got to keep a calm head. And if, if you can't do it, you got to trust people on your professional team that can do it. Mm -hmm and keep you going down that path. And that's why educators and coaches are, are so great, you know, for people. And, and I call myself a coach just from a finance perspective of, of helping people make good behavioral decisions. Yeah. And it's funny how all these terms kind of interrelate. If we're talking discipline, now I'm talking behavior and you know, and all this stuff ties together. So I guess I could say I bridged it all together. Wow. The name of the podcast. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Very it's good amazing. That, that is amazing. Jason, I came full circle. I, I am a crafty veteran of, <laughs> well, this is episode 14 and it's just amazing how it all comes together every single time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and to tie it together, Corey, for those that are looking for some freedom from 
you know, those, those flash headlines, uh, those, those worrisome things that the media is doing to sell that advertising. They need to talk to somebody with a level head that can take the emotion out of things and help them to become disciplined. Um, that's what you're there for. You've always offered uh, free time on your calendar. How do they get a hold of you in case they want to start that conversation and say, you know what, I'd, I'd like to have a little bit more freedom in my life. You bet. And I'm going to give one guarantee before I even give that phone number. And, and I'm not supposed to guarantee things in my industry, right? Mm-hmm, you know, but mm-hmm. I mean, I guarantee you that any type of headline that is scary to a person, if you call me, I can, I can break that down and explain it to a person in an easy to understand fashion. And when you get an easy understanding of something, sometimes it doesn't feel as scary anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I am happy and my team and the other advisors here are always happy to, to have these conversations with anybody, no obligation, no pressure. And that number that I promised you, give us a call at 800-657-4316. Jason, again, thank you so much for being on the show. And of course, Corey, thank you for facilitating this and bringing Jason on the show. And our last thank you is always to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to The Win Podcast with Corey Hymanson. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Corey comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This way, when Corey comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask you to share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review as this actually does help other people find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hymanson Wealth Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Win Podcast. What's important now? The show that helps you achieve your financial dreams. To ask questions about topics covered during the show or get a copy of Stop Doing Dumb Things With Your Money by Corey Hymanson, visit www.hymansonwealth.com or give us a call at 712-472-3867. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Hymanson Wealth Advisors and Securities America are separate entities. 